our sermon series, we've been working through a series called SHAPE, that is understanding how God has equipped us for service. And SHAPE is an acronym, S-H-A-P-E. It speaks about the different, uh, different elements, the different parts that God has formed us in, that when put together helps us to understand more of who God has created us to be and how God has equipped us, shaped us for ministry and service to others. So S stands for spiritual gifts. H stands for your heart, if you will, your passions. A stands for your abilities, P stands for your personality, and E stands for your experience, uh, the experiences that you've had uh, in life. And uh, last week, we finished the last of those five letters, and so today on the preaching program, the topic for today is better together. And the theme for today is, it still will be, but I'm going to twist it a little bit in, in light of what's been happening today. But the theme for today was the theme of, okay, we've been spending five weeks, S-H-A-P-E, looking at, at how God has formed and shaped each of, each of us as individuals and the way he's given us a heart and a passion and life experiences and a personality and gifts to be able to express the love and the light of God in particular ways. But you know what? It's not just about you and it's not just about me. It's actually about us together. So the question then becomes, how do we bring those gifts together? So the theme or the message, the text was going to be based on one, see I'm talking a lot in past tense, a lot's changed in the last few days. The, te- the message was going to be on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is the body of Christ, and how each of us are, are created and formed in different, different shapes and are given different roles within the wider body, different personalities, different aptitudes and abilities, different visions and ways of seeing, which means that when, but when we come together as a body, as a whole, and we bring all those gifts, if we bring our various shapes together, what we find is that we click together. And together we become far more than any one of us could ever be alone and by ourselves. And so actually the call is not to understand your shape and then go running off like the Lone Ranger, riding off into the sunset going, yippee, I've got my shape and I've got my gifting and I've got my calling and God's going to use me in mighty ways and off I go by myself. Actually, it's quite the opposite. It's the more we understand who God has created us to be, the more we understand that we need to press more into relationship and community together. So if you want that sermon, what you need to do is you need to go to your connect groups because your connect group weekly study is going to be built all around those themes. So if you're not part of a connect group, uh, Keith, just give us a wave over there. Keith Chessel over there is the man to see. He'll plug you into a connect group. And even if you come in and this is your first time in a connect group, uh, still be absolutely great to have you. And you can have that sermon. But actually, in light of today, I thought, now let's, let's take that theme a better together, but let's, let's move it in a slightly different direction. And the direction I want to do is just acknowledging that within this room, we have three different groups of people representing three different agencies within our wider union of churches. So we have here among us a bunch of people who are members or regular participants in the life of Canterbury Baptist Church. If that's you, just come on, hands up, give us a wave. Come on, all around the room, here we go. Members, regular participants of Canterbury Baptist Church. My first time in a Baptist church was 2003, Mill Park Baptist Church. I actually have a Church of Christ background with some twists and turns along the way, but basically I ended up in 2003, my local church at the time was a Baptist church, and I plugged in there. And one of the the things that immediately attracted me to a Baptist church was first how welcoming they were, but also just how participatory they were willing to be. I came into the church and I saw all sorts of different people given opportunities to serve and opportunities to have roles within the life of the the church. It it wasn't all dependent upon the priest or upon upon a singular personality. There was a real sense of trying to empower and enliven the congregation to discover their gifts and to be able to use their gifts within the life of the church. And I thought, "That's, that's fantastic. 
And the other thing I really loved about the Baptist church when I first plugged into it was how outwardly focused it was. Uh, how they were looking around them at opportunities to engage in their, local, in their local community and how they had all sorts of different, in this particular case, lots of different programs that started within their own church building, but these were programs that they started with the intent of trying to connect to and reach the neighbours and the people around them. And I love that outward vision, that heart for the community. And also I loved, if you want, this is a bit technical, but, but, but just hang with me a bit. I loved the congregational governance. There you go. Never before has someone ever said that sentence. I love the congregational governance. But what I mean by that is this. I love the opportunity that church had to gather together and to present the needs or the opportunities or the visions that the church had and then have discussion together and discern together the way forward. And I really enjoyed being part of that community. And now, like any community, it has its ups and downs and its good days and its bad days and its, its, you know, it has its rough, its rough roads and it has its joyful roads. And for the last 20 years when I've been plugged into Baptist churches, I've got stories of all the good days and all the bad days, the times it works really well and the times it doesn't. And that's reality when you gather together with people. But 20 years later, not only am I a, 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 a participant and eventually a member of a Baptist church, I'm going to get to be a pastor of a Baptist church. And it's my joy to take those very values that I found so inspiring uh, in, uh, in the Baptist movement and to continue to build on those values here in a position of leadership within a congregation as well. And so for us as a church, you've heard a few things already about shifting our office from our, our, our current property into a co-working space in the middle of a shopping centre and uh, other, other ministry activities that we're involved in as we're looking at our community around us and considering how to connect and how to be, uh, how to be more visible, but also how to be more, more connected to show more of the light and the life of Christ to our neighbours and the people that God has places around. There's lots of discussions, as we're all aware. Even the layout of the chairs and tables was part of a conversation we had at church as to well, what are our values and how is it that we want to gather together as a congregation and what are the things that are important to us. So that's us at Canterbury Baptist Church. 2007 was a big year for me because 2007 was the year I started ordination. And ordination was, it was that moment where I suddenly intersected with two agencies or organizations within the, the wider Baptist movement that I'd heard by legend only but had never had personal experience with. And the first of those two agencies was this group called the BUV. It stands for the Baptist Union of Victoria. Each uh, Baptist church is fundamentally independent in the sense that we have the opportunity to gather as a membership and to discern God's leading for us. But actually, once again, it's not simply about what we as Canterbury Baptist Church do by ourselves. As we gather and as we associate with other churches, there is power and there is purpose and there is opportunity that comes as we gather together, not just as a lone little Baptist church here in Canterbury, but as we gather together with local Baptist churches and then we look further afield at Baptist churches across our state and across our, our nation. And as we gather together and we draw together the visions and the gifts and the resources and the inspiration and the different uh, opportunities, the different expressions of ministry of those Baptist churches, it's helpful to have, if you will, a support hub that sits in the middle of that that can help to coordinate and facilitate communication and even uh, draw together some resources so there can be some common adv advocacy on behalf of, behalf of the wider movement. And that's what the Baptist Union gets to do and to be for us as a church. So I plugged into this group and I got to attend conferences in which I got to meet all these other Baptist pastors. And at first I thought they were boring. It's all right, Mick, if I can say that. You know, it was 20 years ago, man. I was much I was younger. It's all changed. It's, all changed. it's brilliant now. It's a, the, the light of heaven opens, the spirit descends like a dove. It's the best place to be. Um, but 
Uh, yeah, so at first I thought, oh, well, what's this about? You know, I'm in my own little church, I can do my own little thing. But the more I plugged into the wider community, the more I valued the advice, the support, uh, the challenge, the accountability. Accountability is so important. Sometimes the resourcing. So I stick my hand up and go, help, how do I do this? And all of a sudden, two, you know, three, four, five, ten different voices pop. Oh, no, we tried that last year. Oh, we did it this way. How about that way? And all of a sudden, resourcing. But also representation. It's so much more powerful. At a practical level, like insurance and some of those things, it's so much more powerful if 220 congregations can get together and can go to one insurance company and say, well, how much, how much are you going to charge us for insurance? So there's some real practical things in that too. But even advocacy, the ability for us to uh, be able to come together and discern a voice and then have one body that can say, you know what? 220 congregations have discerned that we are united on this voice or this mission or this purpose. The Baptist Union plays an incredibly important role. And I find it interesting, Mick, that that uh, I think it was what a few years ago that you rebranded it from I think the head office or something. But anyway, the, the Baptist Union is now called the Support Hub, and I love that that branding of Support Hub because that's exactly how the union uh, sees its role uh, with the wider Baptist churches as the supporting hub, the centre of support, not just for us but for all churches, both supporting us as an individual church but also drawing us together as a body of churches to. Uh, be able to be facilitated and supported. So thank you for the work that you do. If you are part of the, if you are a person who works for the BUV in an act of supporting other churches, can you just put your hand up in this room? So Mick, hand up. Beth, two of you. There we go. Go BUV. Um, love you guys. But no, thank you. Thank you both for coming. Really, really do appreciate that. But also in 2007, I intersected with another group, Whitley College. Do you know that I've been a student every year from 2007 to this year? without a single year's break, and I'm exhausted. 2007 to now, I've been a student every year. I, I, I started my bachelor, then did my master's, and for, and for my sins, I'm now doing a PhD. I uh, get the privilege of also being the Greek New Testament uh, teacher there at Whitley College. That's so a joy to be able to do some teaching within that place as well. So, you know what, having done all those years of suffering at Whitley College, all that learning and stuff, I can now put some suffering back on some students through the teaching them Greek. So there's, there's, a, there's a bit of a joy in that as well. I found myself reflecting, particularly during COVID time. Do you know how every morning there would be that news briefing that would take place every morning where Dan Andrews would come up and there'll be other representatives and they'll just give the facts and the figures of what's been happening and the numbers and what's going on and then sort of mapping out what happens. You know, you sort of watch that, that news briefing that would have take place every morning. And so every morning he'd get up and say, hey, I'm the Premier and let me tell you what's going to happen. We'd all listen because, well, he's the Premier and so we all want to know how long's the lockdown going to last, how long is this going to take place. And anyway, so I, um, I just want to hand you over to, um, to, the, to uh, a medical professional. He's going to talk about, you know, whatever. And then the medical professional pops up and talks about what's been happening and, you know, the disease and all that sort of stuff. And he says, uh, I want to introduce you to someone from social services. They're going to talk about some of the, the ways the government's going to assist and support. And so social services gets up. And they say, oh, I'd just like to introduce you to, um, to some charitable agencies, Salvation Army, St. Vincent de Paul's. They're going to talk about ways that they're, um, they're providing some additional services uh, to support people who are really struggling at this time and then they come up and so you have all these people lined up and one day I played a thought experiment on myself. You ready for this? What if they said, now Daniel Bullock, Director of Missions and Ministry, the gentleman you saw in the video from the Baptist Union of Victoria is now going to pop up and say something. What would our state expect a religious leader to say in that moment? And in my thought experiment, I thought, well, what, what would you say in that moment? 
that the charitable organization and the medical professionals and the other people haven't already said? What, what would you say in that moment? And in my thought experiment, I sort of came to this conclusion, and you can sort of test whether or not you, would, you agree with me on this. Uh, the conclusion I came to is, if any major religious leader was invited to come forward and speak at that moment, the response or the reaction of, I reckon, the great majority of our state watching their TVs would be something like, why is he there? What's, what's he going to say? What's the point of him? We get the social services, we get the, we get the medical people, we get the charitable people, we get the... But what's the church doing there? What's, what's the church's role in that place? What's, what's the church got to say? And then the question is, well, what would you say? If you had an opportunity to speak to the state of Victoria, what would you say that wouldn't just be repeating what the charitable arms or these other agencies said? I, re- I really struggled with that question. I didn't actually know what I would say in that moment that would be in any way different or particularly different and would, I think, be able to be heard and received by the great majority of our states. So I could get up and preach a sermon or do something which works really well within a Christian circle, but what would I say in that particular context? And it sort of got me thinking that what is the church's role and place within society? How is it that we understand who we are? How is it that we communicate who we are to the people around us? How is it that the people around us see us? And what is it that the people around us expect to receive from us? And one of the things that I've, I've, I've been reflecting on, I had, had this conversation with your predecessor, um, the, uh, and, and also this conversation with you, Daryl. It's called the liquefaction or the liquefying of church. In other words, it used to be that the way that church would intersect or be known within a wider community is they were known as the people who provided charity or ran hospitals or did good works or they, they became the first port of call in a moment of struggle or trial. Uh, the church became the, the, the place in society where people would go and look for these sort of services. Does the church fulfill that role now? The answer is no. You have hospitals that are run by hospital boards and you have charitable arms and you have social services provided through other things. So increasingly the things that we, that used to be the core to our identity, you know, we are the church but the way we express ourselves to the world around us is through these agencies and through these services. Increasingly that's no longer becoming our identity. And I actually think that we're in a bit of a moment where we as a church have a crisis in confidence. I don't think we quite know who we are to the world out there. And I don't think we quite know what to say to the world out there. And I don't think we quite know how to represent ourselves to the world out there. I think in this moment, we are a little bit stuck in understanding what our identity is. And this is part of us moving into a co-working space in the middle of a shopping centre is to place ourselves as a church within a thousand local business people who are working in that space and go, what do you do? What do you say? How does this work? How do you communicate? What's their view of us? How do they see it? And just beginning to the process of learning what it means to be a church in a much more visible and public place without actually necessarily knowing what that is, learning and discovering as we go along the way. I, um, I, uh, I sent a, a card to someone a little while ago. They, were, they suffered some grief, wrote a card to say, just thinking of you in your grief. They knew that I was a minister. I knew that they didn't go to church. So I sat there with my pen going, how Christian do I make this? Have you ever had that thought? How Christian do I make this card? And in the end, I thought, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll keep it just generic. I'll keep it nice. So, you know, just thinking of you, I did put praying for you at the end, yeah, because I, I did praying for you at the end, whatever. Anyway, this person contacted me later on and said, thank you for that card, that was a real blessing. You didn't include a Bible verse. 
I said, you, you expect it of all of us? You're, you're, you're a minister. You, you know, don't you pray for people and, and quote Bible verses? I went, oh, yeah, but, you know, I didn't for you because I didn't think that was something you wanted to do. And that got me thinking about my own crisis in confidence. How is it that I edit myself and how is it that I actually shut down the opportunities and the avenues that God gives me to be that voice of grace, that voice of God, if you will, to the people around me because I'm actually suffering from the same crisis of confidence I think the wider church is. And so I started a little experiment. What does it look like if I just lean a little bit more into the fact that I'm a Christian? And the people know, no, I'm a Christian. It's not like it's a surprise to them, right? They know I'm a minister, right? But so what does it look like if I lean into that a little bit more and actually be a little bit more genuine? So maybe put a little Bible verse that I do find encouraging and just gift it to them. Or maybe write two lines of a prayer and not, not be ponderous about it, but just give them little flavours and tastes of what it means for me as a Christian to engage with God in a similar moment that they're going in. And maybe that can be a source of encouragement for them. And the feedback I've got since I've adopted that practice has actually been almost universally incredibly positive. People have found that that theological voice, that biblical voice, that reflective voice, that prayerful voice, in a moment when all the other cards they're getting is thinking of you, sorry for you, sorry for your loss, but there's this one voice that brings in a slightly different flavour that is authentic to my faith, authentic to who I believe God is, and and, and an authentic expression of how I believe God speaks to us. It's actually been remarkably well-received. So that card that I described earlier on was the last card I ever sent to someone that didn't have a Bible verse in those particular situations. I began to think and reflect more deeply. But then how many of you have seen those situations where someone writes those cards or they speak those, those words to you and you go, way too much, like way too much. You can just see the entire room shutting down like this as some crazy religious person's you know, going, going full preacher style on everyone in the room or, you know, they, you know, the Bible, you know, what it, and so what I'm reflecting on is there's a line there, right? There's enough, so it's welcome, and there's too much, so it's crazy. And where's that line? How is it that we represent Christ? So there's all sorts of things, that I think, that are interplaying within our lives right now. Crisis of confidence that is somewhat silencing us, but actually a need to no longer be subdued by our lack of confidence, but to be willing and able to speak up in an authentic, connecting and good way to the people around us. But then the question becomes, where's the line? Where's the crazy person bit? And where's the helpful, encouraging bit? And where's that line? And how do we discern it? How do we understand the times in which we live? How do we understand the voice that God has given us to speak with? How do we understand how those two things come together and speak to us and speak to our world in rich and powerful ways? In 2007, I started a journey with Whitley College. And at the heart of my journey has been that question. And I think one of the values of what Whitley College brings to us is it reminds us that actually there is a theological lens that we need to pay attention to. God is here. Jesus is alive. The Spirit is within us and flows through us. And if all of that is true, then it makes a difference to who we are and how we act in the world around us. But also, the world is real. People are hurting. Foolish things, sinful things have been done by the church. People are suffering. The world has changed in the way that it thinks and it processes and it analyzes things. 
And the question becomes, how do we bring the voice of God as has been gifted to us into a world in the state and in the moment in which it currently is so that our words can become words of grace and hope and healing and sometimes words of challenge, but in a way that can be heard, a way that can be received and a way that can facilitate and open up conversation and dialogue. And I think at the heart of the work of Whitley College, if I, I'm just going to give you a mission statement. Is that all right, Daryl? I'm just taking past the privilege here. At the heart of my engagement in Whitley College has been the challenge to wrestle with what does it mean for the voice of God to speak into the world as we find it around us. And I've been greatly challenged, greatly formed, greatly encouraged, greatly shaped by my engagement with lots of different personalities, lots of different people and lots of different points of view that you do come across within Whitley College. But I love that at the core of who Whitley is, is that particular voice. So Whitley College is a gift to us as a church because Whitley College, I think, can give us back our confidence, can give us back our voice, and can give us back the ability to connect the wonderful theology, the wonderful truth that is given to us through the Word of God and connect that to the people that we're going out and connecting with every day of our lives. And we can understand more of who God has made us and who and how it is that God wishes to speak to the world around us. If you're from Whitley College, you work there or you represent Whitley College in the room, just stick your hands up. One, two, three, four. Thank you for your service and thank you for your willingness to do that. I want to engage you guys in a a time of conversation. I want to uh, just gather you into a moment of thinking. There's three Whitley College people here and there's one over there. So if you can stay there. The three Whitley College people here, would you mind just spreading yourselves out a little bit? Um, So you, you can't go on every table, but just kind of look... Look at a table which has some friendly faces on it. So this is going to be a test. If they don't sit with you, that means it's not friendly faces. No, 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 no. Okay. Look at a table, some table with some friendly faces on it. Maybe Paulie and Rob, if you guys maybe want to join a table which has a few more people on it. Maybe even you guys might think about joining, joining some tables, just fattening up some tables. But we'll see how we go. I actually want us to engage a little bit in some conversation together as a church. Our reading today is Mark chapter 10, and it's the famous moment where the disciples are asking the question, you know, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And if I was to lay out Canterbury Baptist Church, Baptist Union of Victoria and Whitley College and say, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, what would your answer be? Do you know what Jesus' answer is to that question? The one who serves, that's the greatest. The one who serves the most is the greatest. So what does it mean for Canterbury Baptist Church, for the Baptist Union of Victoria, and for Whitley College to come together and to serve one another. What does that look like? How is it that we can be better together? The phrase better together I love, but what often happens is when people say better together, they then lean on the together bit, you know, the second word, better together, let's be together, which is great, but I actually want to lean on the better bit. We want to be better together. We are already together, so how can we be better together? A reading today reminds us that none of us has the right to say, I'm better than you, but it's about recognising that we each have different roles. Ariel, can you just stick those questions up on the screen? I just want to give you about 10 minutes, and I just want you to spend some time reflecting together. Now, not all of you are going to have Whitley College people, not all of you are going to have Baptist Union people. Some of you may even go, this is the first I've heard of Whitley and, and the Baptist uh, and a Baptist Union, so you may need to almost, almost deal with these questions at a slightly more hypothetical level. What, what would it be like if... 
we could engage without necessarily fully understanding who these agencies are. But I do want to give you some time to do this. Question number one, what might be some stereotypes or false impressions that we have of each other? Local church, Baptist Union, Support Hub, and Whitley College. What are some of the stereotypes or false impressions we might have of each other? And then what gifts and strengths do you... Now, the you is, if you're a representative of Canterbury Baptist, that's you. If you're a representative of Baptist Union, that's you. If you're Whitley College, that's you. If there's, none of, if there's only Canterbury Baptist people around you, then you, you might need to just think about what it means for us to draw upon the gifts and strengths of the Baptist Union and Whitley College. And then how do or how can you serve others through the gifts that God has given you? So I'm going to give you a few minutes. If you just take some time, if you don't know people, introduce yourselves and then take some time talking through those questions. Thank you for engaging with that. Sometimes we, we, uh, we hand the microphone around the room and we just get different reflections from different tables, but time's well and truly beaten us today, so I'm not going to do that. But what I do trust is around your table... The theme of better together. So we are together. Whether you like it or not, BUV, Whitley College and Canterbury Baptist Church and the wider network of Baptist churches, we're in this together. The question is, are we looking to get better at it or not? That's the question. I just trust it in your conversation as you spend some time reflecting on that, that you've had some inspiration, some clarity in that area as well. I think one of the things that encourages me is we are not alone. So in all sorts of different ways, it's not just us, but we have a whole network of people who can support us in so many fantastic ways. But you know what? More than that, we can actually be a blessing and a support to the Baptist Union Support Hub, to Whitley College and to other Baptist churches as well. It's not just about us getting from these services. It's about us helping them to be better in the way that we act and the way that we respond in that space as well. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that you do lay upon us the challenge, the vision, that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be the servant of all. Lord God, may we as Canterbury Baptist Church be that church that serves, that strives in your power and with your wisdom to serve. May we be known for the way that we love and serve each other. May we be known for the way that we love and serve at the community that you've placed us in. And may we be known as for the way that we love and serve the network of churches that you've placed us within, uh, represented by the Baptist Union of Victoria. And the way that we love and serve and engage with the rich theological engagement that you have gifted to us through Whitley College as we ourselves are wrestling with and discerning what it means to, uh, to, to, to represent the voice of God into the world and the community as we live in it. Oh God, thank you. We can take this time reflecting on these wonderful gifts that you have given to each of us and reflecting on how it is that you're calling us to bring these gifts together. And we commit all that's taken place in this service into your hands in Jesus' name. And amen.